Some of the topics discussed in this episode are definitely sensitive, and we want this to be an open conversation about topics that are hard to discuss. We want our audience to be really comfortable. So the following topics are discussed in this episode of Beyond the Lines. Substance abuse, self-harm, eating disorders, depression, sexual violence, and harassment, and stalking. Please consider not listening if you feel that these topics could bring about emotional distress. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Beyond the Lines. My name is Delaney Hogg, and I'm one of your hosts this season. So we are bringing you guys our very first episode today, and I think it's safe to say that Rachel and myself are both quite a bit nervous for today. Um, so as I mentioned in our little preview episode that we did, this season is going to be all about being resilient and real. So Rachel Maynard is going to be our first guest this season, and she's going to be sharing her story today. Hey everyone, my name is Rachel and I'm going to be co-hosting this season of Beyond the Lines. Um, so as Delaney was saying, I will be sharing my story today. Um, talking about this isn't the easiest thing ever, but I think that it'll be really helpful um, and it'll help normalize common issues that are faced by college students. So we want ECU students to know that they're not alone and a lot of the challenges that we discuss today are normal on a college campus. Just to brief you guys before we get started, we are both podcasting for the first time. We're obviously a little bit nervous, and it's our first episode that we'll be doing together. So in order to stick with our theme of being real, there might be some little moments of laughter and confusion and us trying to figure out what we're actually going to be saying. So we're excited to get started. We're excited to be here. And with that being said, I'm going to ask Rachel to start her story. All right. Um, so I guess I feel like a lot of people know me as a pretty confident and a pretty strong person. Um, but I wasn't always that way. I wasn't always confident. I wasn't always resilient. Um, there was a point in my life where I felt like I was a choice and I kind of just felt like I was invisible. Um, growing up, I was surrounded by alcohol use. I was, I grew up in an abusive home, so I was surrounded by violence. Um, and my life was kind of chaotic. So I was forced to grow up at a really early age and, um, a lot of times I was described as difficult or dramatic, crazy, a bunch of other different labels. Um, and at one point I started to believe them and I kind of internalized that. And so I started to self-harm and it kind of made me feel like I was in control of my pain. So that gave me some sense of peace and then I started drinking, and I was like 14 when I first started drinking before high school. And then I would go to parties and bars and uh, start self-medicating with weed. And then I just kind of started smoking all the time. And that was kind of just my life before, like around high school, early high school. I think it's a little bit – it's just very interesting to me because – so Rachel and I have – only just started working together. We really started working together this past summer of 2019. And in knowing Rachel, I never really would have guessed these things about her. And I think it's pretty safe to assume that you meet so many different types of people in college and you literally have no idea what their paths looked like before they met you or what they've gone through to get where they are today. So learning some of these things that Rachel has shared with me already, learning about them was definitely very interesting and just put some things into perspective. I mean, you encounter so many people and I think sharing your story and hearing the other stories that we're going to be hearing throughout this podcast 
you really learn that you should just treat everyone with kindness because you literally have no idea what they're going through or what they've been through. But with that, when did you really realize like that your life was a little bit of a mess? Um, (laughs) to be blunt, you know, no. So, uh, well, in all honesty, I feel like my life has always been a mess. Okay. Great. (laughs) But really like my sophomore year of college was probably when I was like, okay, so this is not normal. Um, I didn't really talk about my life when I was in high school and I really didn't talk about it much my freshman year. I just kind of kept everything to myself. And then my boyfriend, my sophomore year. So I dated the same guy from my junior year of high school to my sophomore year of college. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, he, I found out my sophomore year that he was addicted to pain pills and that um, he had been cheating on me. And he had been cheating on me for like a long time throughout our relationship. And that was really hard for me because he was like one of my best friends in the whole world. And I would have really told you that like I was going to spend the rest of my life with this kid. And that was a really hard thing for me to deal with. Um, So I actually made a therapy appointment right after we broke up just because I knew that that was going to be a hard thing for me to deal with. Um, But I actually got really depressed after and I broke up and it was really hard for me to deal with so that was kind of when I was like okay this isn't this isn't normal and I decided to start looking into getting help. Did someone kind of recommend that you go to therapy or was it more of just your own like recognizing that took it to getting there I guess if that makes sense I don't know if my words make sense right now. I have always dealt with anxiety and I knew that that was something I'd always dealt with Um, since I was like 15, I had just really bad anxiety. So I just kind of had a feeling that whenever he and I broke up that I was, I knew I was going to need help. And I had heard that the counseling center takes forever to get you in. So I actually broke up with him in October and my appointment wasn't until like the middle of November. So, yeah. So I just kind of had a feeling that it was gonna, like I was going to need help, but I started just like partying all the time and I was going out all the time just kind of doing whatever I wanted and at that point I hadn't even started therapy because my appointment was like six weeks out so um, then I actually ended up getting drugged in that time so Mm -hmm. that was um, that was another thing I was kind of like okay so this isn't this isn't normal either (laughs) and um, and yeah so I started I was drinking all the time, and then I I got drugged, and I can I can tell you about that if you want me to. Yeah, go for it. Um, it was actually one of my ex boyfriend's friends. We were at a Halloween party, so I actually don't celebrate Halloween at all, even though it's like a big thing at ECU, mm-hmm. um, because of this year. So, or not this year, but the year that the that year occurred. yeah mm-hmm. the year that I got drugged. So. I had actually dressed up like a zombie and I had done like liquid latex all over my face and yeah I went all out it was really cool but I was at the Halloween party and I was at a house party and this kid was like hey like why aren't you drinking and I cut myself off because I was actually like fairly responsible a little bit of the time so um, I gave my alcohol to someone else was like I don't need this anymore and um this kid was like, why aren't you drinking? And I was like, no, I'm good. I'm good. And then he had told me 
but he had he was drinking PJ and which is party juice. Party juice. If anyone yeah. Doesn't know so what that is. yeah, yeah. So he had made some PJ and I asked him what was in it and he told me like all the juice that was in it and all the alcohol that he put in it. Um, and so I drank it and then realized the next day that he had actually put a lot of Xanax in his, and it was his own drink, but he gave it to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I drank the rest of his cup, which was a bad decision on my part. Mm -hmm. This is why you should not take alcohol from people when you're at parties. If anyone ever asks you why you're not drinking and then tries to get you to, in my personal experiences, it usually doesn't go Great. I personally have had a very similar experience to this (laughs) and lesson learned to say the least. Yeah. So I woke up the next day and I didn't remember anything from the night before. So I thankfully nothing had happened to me because I was at a party with a bunch of my friends and they took care of me. They actually had to carry me up my stairs of my apartment and into my house. And um, the next day my limbs were like super heavy and I felt oh. like I just didn't feel right. So I started asking around and I found out that he would put Xanax in his own drinks. And then he was a friend, like I was friends with him on Snapchat and he posted on Snapchat a handful of Xanax and was like, had a good night last night. And I was like, okay, so so that explains like why I was completely incoherent. So that was actually in the drink that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So he had actually like crushed up a bunch of Xanax and put it in there. So which is not normal. No, no. 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 So, <laughs> yeah. So um, I ended up deleting him on Snapchat. We're, Healthy <laughs> we're not friends anymore. Good. I don't hang out with those people anymore. Right. Um, but that was a really hard thing for me. That kind of also made me realize that, you know, I should probably do something else besides just go out and party. So I kind of, my other option, instead of just kind of like doing whatever I wanted was to just do nothing. So then I kind of just went kind of reclusive and slept all the time. I didn't do anything. I just like lost interest and everything. I didn't have a job at the time. So I had no reason to get out of my bed or anything. Then I finally had my therapy appointment. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. Like, I'm going to get my life together. I'm going to feel so much better. I went to therapy, and I absolutely hated it. Oh, great. I've been there as well. (laughs) My therapist was just, like, really dry, and Mm -hmm. he would just kind of, instead of giving me advice, it was like, here, come tell me about your problems. And so I would just go and just dump all my problems to him, and then he would just be like, yeah. Then you would nod and... Acknowledge that you sat in his office and... Right, and it was like, you're not giving me anything to work with. Like, I can go talk to anybody about the things that are going on, but I need you to give me something to walk away with. And he didn't really, so I quit. Um, I just, I was like, this isn't working for me, so I'm just not going back, and I didn't reschedule another appointment. And then I, so that was like November of my sophomore year and winter break came and all my friends left town and I literally just did nothing. So that was when I probably got to like my, one of my most depressed points. Um, I laid in my bed for three days straight. So I actually like didn't get up for any reason. I didn't drink water, so I really didn't have to get up and use the bathroom. I didn't eat anything. I slept for basically three days straight. And my roommate was like, she was going to some bonfire party or something in 
Swansboro, maybe. I can't really remember where it was. But she was like, you're coming with me. You need to get out of bed. So she made me get out of bed, and I went, and that, like, made me socialize, which I, like, really did not want to go. I, <laughs> like, I fought her on it. I did not want to go. And so we ended up going, and it was a good time. I had fun. and okay, So party in Swansboro. Yeah. Or wherever it was. You don't remember. but uh, I think it was Swansboro. But, so, yeah, so. Uh, you didn't want to go. I didn't want to go. No. So we just kind of went, and I just hung out with everybody, and we just, it was a bunch of people I had. I had never met them before, but she was friends with them. So we hung out, and then I came back, and I was like, okay, so that's what it's like to be around people again. <laughs> like, maybe I should try that out again. So I went and made another therapy appointment. And this time I had a great therapist. She was incredible. And she actually gave me something to work with. Um, but that didn't, I mean, I can go to therapy all I want, but it doesn't sometimes that everything. doesn't, right. Like sometimes just like talking it out doesn't work. So uh, I talked to someone about medication, and so we decided to move forward with that, and I, I chose to start taking anxiety medication, but that wasn't really it, – it took me a long time to get to a place that actually worked for me, so I decided to – I started out just with a basic antidepressant, and I felt like a zombie, so it was like – a chore to like make myself get out of bed. Mm -hmm. And then I basically told them this isn't working. And so we kept trying to find different types of medication and different combos. And I ended up being on 500 milligrams of anxiety and depression medication. Um, and uh, I felt, I felt normal, I guess, for the most part, but and that did not come for free. <laughs> I feel like so. when you're in such a transitional like age in your life, you might not even know what normal is like supposed to look like. Yeah. Um, yeah. I so it made me not hungry at all. So I just like wouldn't eat anything, and I would go all day. It'd be like seven thirty at night. I'd be like, oh, I haven't actually eaten anything today. I probably should do that. So. I just didn't have an appetite, and I ended up losing like thirty pounds. I can't in imagine six weeks that much going on in your life at one point and like I feel like I can only relate in the sense of like when I get really really stressed there are times when I forget to eat or I'm sleeping less or like my whole life just feels like it's in shambles yeah. and that's I can't imagine being in that state like all of the time like yeah. just constantly feeling that way so going back to your experiences with therapy a little bit um I know that it's not always easy. I've had some experiences with my experiences with it myself. Mm -hmm. And I feel like some people think that when you go to therapy, it just solves all your problems or you have your life together after you go. And that's not really how it is, is it? No. So I learned and I'll talk a little bit more about this um, in a little bit, but I learned that you have to take your personal responsibility for it. So a therapist is just a tool. They're there to help you get to where you need to be, but it doesn't work until you take the personal responsibility. So you have to like accept your own issues as being yeah. your, own, your own problems. And, and I feel like a lot of times people don't want to say like, okay, I have a problem. And just like, you don't need to go to therapy because you have a problem. And I yeah, I don't Therapy's think healthy for anyone. Anyone, really. I think everyone needs to go to therapy. I, I agree. love therapy. I recommend it. I mean, I'm going to school to be a therapist, so maybe so you're I'm a little biased, bit biased. But yeah, <laughs> but um, it was definitely helpful for me. 
it took me a long time to get to where I was in therapy. So I was really big on not doing anything in between therapy sessions. So it was I just wanted them to fix all my problems at first, and which is a really common response mm-hmm. to therapy. It's just, oh, I'm going to go talk to this person. They're going like, to fix I'm all my here, problems. Help. Let's solve right. all of my life issues. And they were like, so I think this group would help you. I think this and this and this would help you. And I was like, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm not going to go to a group and do all this and all this extra stuff. Like, I'm here. Just help me. And Like, I'm here. That's, like, most of the effort that you're willing to give at that right. point. Yeah. And uh, that was, like, my my concept of therapy. And that could have been why it didn't work the first time. Maybe I – but I really – he wasn't giving me anything. <laughs> like, he I feel like helpful. the difference between your friends and your therapist, I feel like you can go to your friends, and they're obviously biased. Like, they know your life, and so you can tell them, oh, I have all these boy problems. What should I do? And it's so easy for them to tell you maybe the not-so-like healthy option right. of what you should do to handle your problems. But going to therapy and actually talking about your things, you recognize a lot of things on your own, right. but also they, they give you the healthy option of what you should actually do yeah. from an unbiased perspective. Yeah, I think your friends tell you what you want to hear a lot, mm-hmm. and your therapist is going to tell you what you need to hear. So that was definitely something for me. My therapist was not scared to tell me how it was, and that was really – I need that. I I need someone to just be like, look, this is – you need to do this, and I can't solve all your problems for you. And that's eventually where it got because my my life got really chaotic at one point in college, and so – my therapist was like, "You have to, you have to do something. I can't, I can't do this for you." Don't you don't just go to therapy and everything's magically fixed right. and better. Right. Yeah. So my junior year of college was I was in therapy all the time. My junior year was probably like my worst year of mm. college. Um, I failed an entire semester of college, and my life was literally a mess. It was crazy. I can't imagine <laughs> that feeling because <laughs> even having a lower grade in one class where I might fail one class is enough, but having a semester's worth yeah. of that kind of stress sounds really, really hard. Yeah, and it was a lot of it was due to like my mental health situation, and a lot of it was due to just the people that I had in my life. So I had this one professor. I... My therapist was like, you know, you should go talk to her and you should just be honest with her, tell her your situation, and maybe she would understand. So, was it telling her about like your mental health state or was it telling her so just about what were you, what did you tell her about, about, I guess? So, I had my laptop actually got soaking wet when oh, okay. I was walking from my class to the library to go work on a paper. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's green bowl, so when it rains, it pours. And yes. it was everyone like, carries umbrellas. Right, except for me that day. <laughs> so, <Great. laughs> So I did not carry an umbrella that day. I had my rain jacket, but it didn't keep my book bag from getting wet. Mm -hmm. And it was raining so hard that my book bag got soaked and everything in it got soaked, including my laptop. So that was rough. My laptop got soaking wet. I was like halfway done with this paper. And I went to my therapist a couple of days later and I was like, my entire my entire project was on that and it got ruined. Mm -hmm. But I was scared to go talk to my professor about it because of my whole... I had terrible anxiety. I was scared to talk to anyone about anything. So um, I (laughs) was talking to my therapist about it, and I was like, I don't know what to do about this situation. And earlier in the semester, I had a group project, and everyone in my group was a guy. And I had actually had gotten into an argument with someone one day and had a terrible panic attack, and I accidentally fell asleep on my couch, and I was a little bit late to a group meeting. Mm -hmm. But I didn't need to explain to them why I was late it was I just told them that I was late 
And they told my professor that I missed the whole meeting, and that really made me mad. <laughs> but I, but you showed up. You I were did there show for part up. Of it. I did. And okay. so instead of her saying like, "Hey, why didn't you go?" She left a note in my project folder that said she thought I was intimidated by men. So I already didn't. I already didn't love this professor. I don't think anyone would love hearing that. Right. That's not something a student right. wants to hear. And like, you don't know my life at all. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. I understand this. So this I was really mad. So then I told my therapist, I was like, I can't go talk to her. Like, she thinks I'm intimidated by men and that really makes me mad. So I don't want to go have a conversation with this lady. And so she, she talked me into going and talking to her. So I went and I was like, look, like I have this going on. And she was like, well, it sounds like you're in therapy. And, and she so doesn't sound mental, like she likes therapy. And I'm she guessing said, your mental health is not my problem. And I was like, I think okay. mental health is kind of everyone's you know, problem. I lady. think that that's a little <laughs> bit inappropriate, but okay. So I actually got really mad. We got into a pretty huge argument, and I ended up like slamming her door and walking out of her office. But she, and I don't think she ever. I didn't I didn't go back to her class so I so you failed yeah so yeah. <laughs> yeah so at the time I was like oh I'm really gonna get her I'm just not gonna go back to her class and like in hindsight that was a terrible idea I should have just like continued going to class and proved her wrong but mm -hmm. in my mind at the time I was like yeah I'm not going screw that lady so um I did not go to her class anymore, and I then just stopped going to all of my classes because I was like, if she doesn't care, who, why would they? And Which is a terrible mindset to have. I shouldn't have done that. But So I stopped going to all of my classes, and I didn't take any of my final exams. I had to... <laughs> <laughs> what point of the semester was this in November of the semester or what point in the semester was that? So I stopped going about like halfway through the semester. Okay. Because I had to I had to pay money back to ECU to keep going to school. So Great. <laughs> so and it was about like half a semester of tuition that I had to pay back. Mm -hmm. So which I didn't know that that was a thing. So had I known that that was a thing, I probably would have gone to my classes because I had to explain to my mom about how I failed an entire semester. I can't imagine telling my dad that I failed a class or or all of them. That just sounds yeah. like terrible. Thankfully, I was just kind of like, hey, so this just, I failed. And that's what it is. And I didn't try to make an excuse for it. At first, I like tried to justify like my professor made me mad. But then I was like, I can't, I can't. She didn't tell me not to come back to school. So um, I I just owned it, and I was like, look, I messed up, and I'm sorry, but I need help. So I ended up – I paid money, my money back to ECU and ended up registering for classes because I couldn't register for classes until I had paid the money that I owed. And, yeah, so that was that was probably around November, like, when I found out that I had to pay all the money. And No, because I had – I didn't go take my finals. Okay. So I guess, like, the – beginning of December-ish is when I found that out. And then that's when my best friend graduated. So mm -hmm. my best friend graduated in 2016. And so this is why my junior year was really, like I failed the entire semester. And then, so I was already like not feeling super great as far as, I didn't really know like what was going to happen with my life because I had just failed an entire semester. I 
didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life at this point because I'm pretty sure at that point I had changed my major to like rec therapy, I think. And then, or maybe that was after. But anyways, so December of 2016, my best friend graduated and I had gone out to celebrate her graduation and I was drinking and I needed to get home because I actually had work the next day. So I needed to get home, but obviously like I couldn't drive. So I had texted the guy that I was seeing to take me home. And I don't really remember like even leaving the bar, but I woke up in his bed the next day. And so I was kind of like, you know, I don't, I don't remember coming here. And I woke up and I just had like a feeling that something didn't, something, something happened right. and something wasn't right. Mm -hmm. So I waited until he woke up because I don't, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. I don't like to just kind of assume the worst right off the bat. So I was like, just like waiting for him to wake up. And then we talked about it. And I realized after we talked that I had been violated. Um, I didn't remember coming home. I didn't, and I checked my text messages where I had told him to take me home and I said I needed to go to my house. So I was telling him like I was going to Uber home and he was like, oh, I can just come get you. And I was like, okay, but I need you to take me to my house. And so when I read that, I was like, that's kind of weird. Like, why would he bring me to his house if I told him he needed to take me home? So I had looked at my text messages and I told him I was going to get an Uber and he was like, no, I can just come pick you up. So I was like, okay, well, I need you to take me home. I have work tomorrow. And so when I woke up in his bed and I like looked at my text messages, I was like, that, that's kind of weird. Obviously like, confusing. Why, yeah, like why did you take me to your house when I said you needed to take me home? But I didn't really remember going to his house. So I, yeah, so I waited for him to wake up and then we talked and that's when I realized like something, something had happened and I didn't approve of this. So we, I didn't call it for what it was. I wouldn't call it for what it was because accepting the fact that you have been raped is a hard pill to swallow. Um, I guess like I just felt kind of weird about it because I didn't, like I said, I didn't call it for what it was. It was just like something happened, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to give it a name. So I just, I didn't really talk to anybody about it. I didn't tell anybody about it. And I stopped talking to him. It was just, things were already kind of weird between us anyways. And so that was just like, that was it, I was done. But I kept making ex excuses for it. So I was just kind of like, oh, I was really drunk, you know? And it mm -hmm. was, I took, I took a lot of the blame for it for a really long time. And I wouldn't accept that something had happened to me. So it was like really, it was weird because I know that that's a really common thing, but it was just like, no, that's not something that can happen to me. I'm not that person. And as much as I like, I'm like so against blaming the victim, but it was so easy for me to blame myself. I feel like I personally have met a few women on our campus and on other campuses that have dealt with very similar situations. They didn't know what to call it, they were intoxicated or they were drinking underage or they were mm -hmm. doing something. And so they just naturally, as women, I think a lot of us place the blame on ourselves. Yeah. But what really, was there any like breaking point or a specific situation that made you realize like the extent of how serious it was? 
Yeah, so a few months after it had happened, I was talking to one of my friends, and she and I weren't friends, like, when this happened. I met her a few weeks after, and we were talking one day, and she, like, actually started crying, and I was like, wait, what? If you know Rachel or I at all, we don't (laughs) cry. We're not very emotional people. I think people can probably tell from the podcast that we're not, but (laughs) I, I can see you being this way for sure. Yeah, so I didn't really know what to do. I'm not really good with when people just start crying especially if I don't like it was something I said so I was kind of just like whoa what's going on are you okay and she was like it makes me really sad that you can't even call it for like you can't recognize that something happened to you and she was the first one to say you were raped and I was like that 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 word is a hard one to hear it's It's so heavy and it does and it's such a heavy word and it's like I think I had to sit with it for a while, and I at first I was like, no, I wasn't. Like, that was, I told, like, I put myself in that situation, you know? Like, I shouldn't have gone out and drank that much or whatever. And she was like, no, you, like, you did, he offered to take you home. And he, he didn't. And he didn't. And then he even told you about how he had to carry you into his house. And so how can you even consent to anything when you can't even walk up someone's front porch steps and I was like you know you're right you're right and and that was like it was like I said a hard pill to swallow it was it was I had to swallow my pride I was it was it was I didn't want to accept that that I was some I was someone that that could happen to because mm-hmm. my like my parents had always said like be smart don't put yourself in bad situations like and you said earlier you're very smart if you are drinking like you cut yourself off right like you know right the right things to do and it just goes to show that sometimes like there's just no right situation to right. be in and there's no right way to go about those things yeah so after that um which I never really like I said it took me a few months to even accept that anything had happened to me so at that point there was no if it took me a long time to convince myself that something had happened I wasn't even going to try to convince other people, you know, so there was no thought of like, oh, let me go to the police. Let me go talk to someone because I I didn't feel like it was worth it at that point. And sometimes I wish that I would have said something, but I think ultimately I'm like okay with my decision of not just because I wouldn't have wanted to open myself up to just being really ridiculed about like, oh, but you texted him to come get you. And you like, cause there's no, I can't remember how that night went. So I, you know, I just don't know. So it was, it was a, it was a tough situation and it definitely didn't, like I mentioned earlier, my mental health was already not in the greatest place. So it was kind of just like another thing I had to deal with. And my anxiety just got really bad and I basically just wanted to sleep all the time. But my friend was prescribed by Vance. So <laughs> to keep myself from sleeping all the time, she would just give me by Vance. And so, uh, but then I was like, 50 milligrams is a lot. <laughs> that's a really high, mm-hmm. I mean, not like I've heard of people having like higher prescriptions, but that's a pretty high prescription of by Vance. And Especially if you don't, if you're not prescribed it, you don't, you probably don't need 50 milligrams of Vyvanse. So I personally don't know that much about it. Do you know what like a normal dosage might be? Um, like I think like 10 or 20 is like a pretty normal. I think it's around 20 is like the normal dose, mm. but I'm again, I'm not prescribed it. So I was just 
taking it. So I would take it to get my stuff done. Sometimes I would take it to just do something as simple as cleaning my house. And but I guess like my I was in a place where I didn't feel like I could do I couldn't get myself up out of bed on my own. So that was like, okay, I'll just take one of these Vyvanse that I got from her and then I'll just get my stuff done. And then I started like smoking all the time because I was on Vyvanse and getting stuff done. But then towards the end of the day, like I wouldn't be able to relax. So it would be like seven, eight o'clock and I'm still like, yeah, like I need something to do. It's I need something like, to do. Self-medicating like on and on, like right. something to get up and then something to go to exactly. sleep. And then it just becomes this vigorous cycle of basically controlling your life with different types of drugs and methods. Yes, yes. And that was not a good place to be because I felt like, well, so I started, I was smoking all the time and I didn't love smoking all the time because, I mean, smoking anything isn't good for you. So I started making edibles and I would just make edibles for myself and that was just what I did. And <laughs> I've always loved baking, so it was like a good oh stress relief. Me. Yeah, I've, I've been like baking since I was a kid. Um, so I started making edibles for, my, for myself and that ended up getting me into trouble. So <laughs> I um, actually got arrested for edibles. So yeah, so that was, that was another thing that happened uh, that was right that was like the semester after I failed an entire semester so, so this is obviously a, a wild time in your life yeah yes. hearing this so. for the first time only a few weeks ago <laughs> I couldn't help but laugh just because I've known Rachel and that's something I never really would have imagined or yeah pictured you going that's through. definitely not something I'm just like hey my name's Rachel I got arrested once but yeah, not really on your resume <laughs> or anything like that I'm sure yeah but so that was a really big uh thing for me I didn't I did not know how to deal with that. I mean, does I, anyone know how to deal with right, that? Right, like I had so. obviously never been arrested before, <laughs> so it was a whole new ball game for me. Um, but the officer that arrested me, for some reason, I don't know why, but he was really, really compassionate towards me. And I guess he, I mean, he looked at me and said, "I know that you're going to do great things one day." So, and which was kind of weird because, like, really, you just arrested me and just maybe actually ruined my life a little bit but because I still I had to deal with like going I was on probation I had to do community service mm -hmm. and all of that so on top of being a student and on still top of being, being enrolled student, in school yes and I did not tell anyone that I had gotten in trouble so actually my family most of my family still doesn't know they might know now um, they might yeah so <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry family yeah though. so but that's okay I've accepted that that was that was part of my New Year's resolution was to be more authentic. So it's a, and it's a big part of who I am because getting arrested was my turning point. That was when I was like, okay, so I thought that I was doing things like a little bit right, but I've actually been doing everything incredibly wrong. Mm -hmm. So and it was bad, not bad, but it was it's kind of funny because I was in therapy at this point, and as soon as this happened, I I went to my therapist and I was like so I got arrested and she was like wait what? you're doing so good yeah <laughs> and so so I yeah and so we had to deal with that and it was it was really it was really scary mm -hmm. I didn't really know what was going to happen with my life because I 
got in a decent amount of trouble. So <laughs> I was actually my first court date, the judge was like, okay, so worst case scenario, you can go to jail for five years. And I was just like, dude, what? Like, like I was, I had colleagues. Like I, had, I have a whole life planned. Like I can't go to jail for five years. So I thankfully had a really great friend group that was willing to help me and my I had to work with a lawyer and bless him for having to put up with me because I was very stressed out and I'm not the nicest person when I'm stressed out. So he helped me a lot. And uh, but the police officer that helped me was or that arrested me was surprisingly probably one of the most helpful people in this whole situation because he could have like really just put me in jail and left me there but he didn't and for some reason he went and like talked to some people and I don't know why I really don't know why he did any of that but I'm I'm very thankful I'm very thankful that he did all of that and I have actually thought about like reaching out to him and being like hey you know you really screwed my life for a little while, but I think I came out a pretty great person. Yeah, I think because you came out it. stronger for, from it, yeah. definitely. Yeah. So uh, that actually was not the end of my chaos in college. Okay. I so that was really rough for me. But so I was working at a restaurant at the time, a little pizza restaurant, and so on top of dealing with. You know, I had just failed a semester of school. I had recently been arrested and I was still working and everything. Uh, one of the guys at my job started to sexually harass me. And this was this was a little interesting. So he would come up to me. So he came up to me one day at work and was like, so I really need to talk to you. And I was like, okay, what's up? And I tried to be a nice person most of the time. And <laughs> he was like, so I'm in love with you and I need you to quit because I can't work with you. And I was like, okay, well, I'm really sorry, but that's not my problem. You know, I, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't feel the same way. Feelings but, are one-sided here. Yeah, but I'm sure that if you go talk to our manager, he would be happy to schedule you at a different time so that you and I aren't working together. But I'm not going to change my life around because of your feelings. And so he ended up quitting or getting fired for something, like, unrelated, like, not even, not, like, maybe two weeks later. But he would come in every single week, and he would just be like, so when are you going to let me take you out on a date? When are you going to let me take you out on a date? Mm-hmm. And I would never, I would obviously tell him, like, I'm really sorry, but we're not going to go out on a date. And then one day he was, he came in and was like, so I figured it out. And I was just like, figured what out? What? Yeah. I'll bite. What exactly have you figured out? And he's like, I figured out how I'm going to get you to go out with me. And I was like, hmm, exactly how do you plan on doing that? And he was like, so I'm going to take you to Vegas and we're going to get married, and then you're going to have my kids. And I was just like, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna reframe that for you, how I heard it, and you can let me know if we're still on the same page. And so I was like, you're going to take me to Vegas against my will. You're going to marry me against, against my, my will. will. <laughs> and then you're going to impregnate me against my will. Is that what you said? And he was like, 
yeah. And I said, nope. <laughs> Knowing you well enough, I can see your facial expression and see you telling this man, like, I'm going to reframe this for you, and here's how it's going to be. And then just, I can't imagine your reaction or like I, how you perceive like, from that. I, spun around immediately, and I told my boss, I was like, I'm not working with this person ever again. And I told him that I'd appreciate it if he would tell him, like, you can't come here anymore. But did you try to get, like, a restraining order or anything? So, uh, no, because I'm really great at minimizing situations yes, for yes. myself. Mm -hmm. So it was another one of those things, like, I didn't call it for what it was. And so, but I'm not done yet. Oh, so it, gets, it gets worse. Okay. <laughs> it unfortunately does. So he would come in every now and then, and anytime I'd see him, I would just walk to the back, and my manager would go deal with him. So... So I was like, I had actually got my job here that same summer. So I was like barely working at the pizza place. And he came in and I guess noticed that I wasn't there very often. So he was like, where is Rachel at? Like, I, why hasn't she been here? Does she still work here? And they wouldn't tell him because I had another job somewhere else too. So I was working at three different places between like, the pizza place here and the other place I was working. So he was like, well, tell me, like, where is she working? And they were like, no, we can't tell you that. Like, sorry, if she wanted you to know, she would have told you. And he was like, well, I went to her apartment the other day, and the people who live there said that she didn't live there anymore. And one of my managers, I was friends with her, so she had been to my apartment. And my apartment was, like, in a really weird spot on my building. So, like, when my friends came, even if they had been to my apartment several times, I had to walk to go get them, like, mm -hmm. meet them, and then walk them to my apartment because you couldn't just find it, and which made it really hard for delivery orders. But um, side note. <laughs> yeah. So, so he, I guess, so my manager was the one who was talking to him, and she was like, oh, if you were at her apartment, like, what is it? Where was it? And he told her my building number, my apartment number, and, like, where my apartment was relative to my building mm -hmm. and she was like I like I don't think he was lying so I came into work and she was like we have to talk I have to tell you this and she told me all about it and told me that I like I don't think he was lying I think he really did go to your house and I was like that's weird because I never gave him my address and I never like he never we never hung out we weren't friends like that and so I still actually don't know how he found my apartment but um, I actually ended up running into him this summer for the first time in, like, two years. Mm -hmm. So I had man – so, again, like, I didn't talk to the police or anything because I had moved. It was weird. I actually moved not even a whole week before he showed up Did you have any, like, speculations on how he might have figured out where you live? So he was working at another delivery place, like – the one that delivered to my apartment and I was walking to my car one day and I was like walking from my building and it was really obvious like what building I was walking from mm -hmm. and I guess he was delivering in my apartment complex and this girl randomly yelled at me and was like hey can you give me a ride and whenever she started yelling he like looked over and he saw me and like waved and I just ran straight to my car and I was like dang it he knows like he saw the building that I came from but 
So I either think that maybe like he, I don't like, I don't know how exactly I, he could have gotten my address from like the delivery place. Cause I had definitely ordered from there before mm-hmm. or like figured it out based on like, Oh, I know where her building is. And from there. Yeah. It out. So yeah, that makes sense. So I don't know, but like I said, I'm really good at minimizing situations and I was like, no, like that's not what it was. And then I would like talk to people about it and they're like, dude, you had a stalker. I was like, what? Yeah, no, I'm, I didn't. Doesn't call it a stalker. No. <laughs> right. Like, and I'm really bad about that. I need mm-hmm. to be a lot better about actually like calling things for what they are instead of just like, eh, no, that didn't happen to me. So but. with all of this stuff that happened, how did you cope with it? I mean, you obviously went to therapy, but did you turn to any other things to like help you? Yes. So like I said, my therapist gave me all these different tools mm-hmm. and I was just like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. You don't know what you're talking about. And I had tried meditating my sophomore year when I first started therapy because I was told that would work for me, but (laughs) I never really stuck with it. So I started, my therapist was like, look, I really think that with everything going on in your life, you need to find a way to just like calm yourself down and you need to really just figure out a way to not worry about everything else you have going on and really focus on what's right in front of you. So she explained to me mindfulness meditation and I started looking into it. But obviously, like, even after I started meditating, that didn't just, like, miraculously change things for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I mentioned earlier that it's – you have to take personal responsibility. So whenever I got arrested, that kind of made me sit back and think, like, oh, this isn't – this isn't normal. So that was my, like, big turning point. I didn't ever take personal responsibility for my mental health until I didn't know what I was going to, what was going to happen with my life. So I decided to start like looking into other outlets. And so I started using mindfulness meditation and I really like made it a goal to be able to master that practice. So I started doing it on my own. I started going to groups and I took classes and stuff like that. And that was kind of like my first tool. Um, but my my biggest thing was like when I first it nothing worked for me until I decided to take responsibility for myself. It's just a matter of your mindset in some cases, yeah. I feel like. Yeah, because I feel like I mean, especially like while I'm studying to be a counselor. So learning about it and just like really understanding the back end of things, mm-hmm. it's really like I I really feel like therapy won't help unless you're you're making it work, you know, unless you really like internalize what you're learning in therapy and really like practice it day to day. So I I mean, it's still something that I have to deal with every single day. I still have to I'm just generally an anxious person. So mm-hmm. that's something that I have to deal with every single day. Um, but for me, like my biggest coping skill was meditating. But that wasn't, like, the only thing I used, I guess. Like, I really understood the value of surrounding myself with positive people. So I started just, like, if people don't – if I just feel any negativity when I'm around people, they're just not meant for me, Mm -hmm. I guess. Not your people. Yeah. Yeah, and just – I made myself a priority, I guess, is the best way for me to put it. I decided that – 
like I'm my most important relationship. Mm -hmm. So I really focus on myself. If someone is like impacting my relationship with myself or making me feel like I can't make myself a priority, then I just don't bring them into my life. That's Mm -hmm. something that I've I'm really good at like setting boundaries for that kind of stuff. And I've had to learn how to do that. So I've had to learn how to do that <laughs> as well. So, I mean, you're here today. Yeah. You've obviously overcome a lot and yeah. you're in grad school now. Like, I think it's safe to say that you overcame a lot of obstacles to get here. So how would you, you know, sum up your college experiences and tell us about where you are now? So uh, college was kind of wild for me. Yeah. Um, I failed classes. I almost dropped out of school. I abused drugs. I was drugged. I had a stalker. I was arrested and I experienced sexual violence, but I learned a lot about myself. And I think the biggest thing that a few things that I've learned most importantly are it's okay to feel things. I like Delaney mentioned earlier, I'm not a huge emotional person. I'm so bad at recognizing my emotions but I started to learn that it's okay to feel things it's okay to even if they're bad things it's okay to not be happy all the time and to it's just, normal to not right, be happy all the and time and make room for that and it, it took me a long time to make room for my emotions because I feel like people really just want you to be your happiest self all the time and I used to be, like, a big, like, good vibes only type of person, but I'm like, <laughs> yeah. no, like, bring all the vibes. Like, all the vibes I, are welcome. Yeah, that is, like, is normal. <laughs> we, I, if you're mad, like, be mad. If you're sad about something, like, give yourself space to be sad. Um, and then, like I said, like, making myself my biggest priority, mm-hmm. that was probably, like, one of my biggest, probably something that was just really impactful in my life that I learned in college was at the end of the day, like no matter what, I'm going to have myself, you know, so I need to make worry about making myself the best version of myself and worrying about things that I can control. So I used to like actually recite conversations with people in my head, even though that's not possible to do because you have Mm -hmm. no idea what other people are going to say. And uh, so I've had to obviously like learn that I cannot plan for everything. I can't control what other people say. I can't control how other people respond to what I say don't or what I, I do. I love the saying. It's reminding me of what you're saying now, but the saying that's like, don't stress over the things you can't control. Exactly. It's like letting go of those external factors that you literally right. have no control over right. is a great piece of advice. Exactly. And that was something that was really big for me was learning, like focusing what I on what I can control. And that was another thing that I really learned after I got arrested because I was like that's one of those things like I can do whatever I want but at the end of the day the ball's in their court so Mm -hmm. I had to learn to just not try to control every situation which was really hard for me um so do you have any you know piece of advice for people that might be going through any of these situations or just having a tough time in general, like what advice would you give to those that are going through something like this? So I would probably say don't be afraid to ask for help. I think most people in your life would rather help you than watch you suffer, which was really hard for me to deal with. Um, I think that a lot of times, like when we come to college, we're – 
we have this idea that like, oh, we're grownups now. We have to be able to handle these things and we have to be able to do this on our own. But that's not realistic. I mean, even people who aren't in college still have to ask for help. And I like that was one thing that I was like, no, like I'm good. I can do it on my own. And there's still times where I do that. And I'm just like, no, I don't need help. I don't need help at all. But Mm -hmm. that would probably be my biggest piece of advice is just like, don't be afraid to ask for help. So where are you now? What are your plans for this next semester and post-grad? I mean, you're going to be graduating grad school in a little bit, but what are your plans for the next few years? Yeah, so I, it's kind of crazy to think about because, I mean, this is three years now after I've gotten in trouble. So like, it's, it's funny to think about where I was and like where I am now, but I still, like, tomorrow I will still have to wake up and deal with my mental illness. And mm-hmm. I will still, and I that's something I have to deal with every single day. Um, but as far as, I mean, I will be, I'm doing an internship the next semester. And I basically just put a lot on my plate <laughs> and try to keep myself busy. That's, I don't know, I'm one of those people that I just take on as much as I can, which isn't always the best, (laughs) the best thing to do, but I still have to worry about like making myself a priority. And that's something that I have to do every single day because it's really easy to get caught up, especially when you have a lot going on. It's really easy to get caught up and kind of like let your priorities get out of whack for a little while when you have a lot going on. So I will hopefully, no, I will be graduating in May of 2021. We're speaking it into existence. And I'm actually working on my master's in social work. So I changed my entire career path based on my own experience. So um, now I'm going to be a counselor and uh, keep teaching people how to be the best version of themselves. Well, I think I can speak for everyone when I say thank you for coming on and sharing your story. And thank you for being so open and honest about your experiences. That's something we really aim to do on this podcast every time we're on here. And Rachel, this isn't the last that you'll be hearing from her. She'll be with us again uh, in future episodes that we'll be doing. So thank you again, Rachel. And thank you to everyone that listened to this podcast today. Make sure that you subscribe and stick around to hear more stories of resiliency, but also for the seasons beyond this. Thank you guys, and you will be hearing from us soon. Bye. (laughs) Rachel, you're supposed to say bye. Bye. (laughs) If you or a loved one is in crisis, please call the ECU Crisis Hotline at 252-328-6661. If you are concerned about an individual, we encourage you to contact ECU Cares for more information.